irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu, right here on LA Talk Radio. Midnight Storm, a brilliantly fast grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Mike Smith just points him in the right direction. Midnight Storm dominating. Millionaire and seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Midnight Storm over accelerators, finding the line well, but not well enough. And Midnight Storm has taken it by two lengths. From America's hottest sire line. Midnight Storm, he wins it this year. Midnight Storm. Standing at TaylorMade Farm. That's Midnight Storm. Yes, the horse ownership experience is brought to you by Midnight Storm and TaylorMade Stallions, also standing California Chrome, Shawish. Not this time. Great roster there. Breed your mares to a TaylorMade Stallion. Call Travis White. Call him at his work, 859-885-3345 to book your mare today. It is the horse ownership experience. We are live today. It is, uh, oh gosh, I don't even know what date it is. February 12th. It's February 12th, Tuesday, February 12th. I'm Billy Koch. I'm the founder and managing partner of Little Red Feather Racing Club. Alongside of me, from home with her baby, is Michelle Yu. Michelle, welcome. Thank you, Billy. How are you feeling today? I'm actually not feeling bad at all. That is fantastic. How is the baby feeling? Uh, the baby is finally not dying sick. He's a little sick still, but not as bad as he has been the last two weeks, which means we're actually getting more than two hours of sleep a night. It's awesome. Oh, good for you. Well, I, I had a great night last night. When Why? I, I am the assistant coach of the Santa Anita Junior Beavers baseball team, little league team. Is that Junior's a girls team. team? No, it's a boys team. We do have a girl on the team, though. It's it called is, the Beavers. It's the Beavers. It's the Oregon State Beavers, Michelle. We are coached by the great Mike Shavari, and we have uh, our our other coach is Josh the Pastor. He's an amazing guy. Yeah. And I am an assistant coach. How do you? I how, didn't know that you were into that. Yeah, no, I love coaching, and these kids are unbelievable. And is you know this what? Like a throwback from like when your kids were yes, little. Yes. Yes. Are you having empty nester syndrome? I am. I am. Uh, uh, Mike asked me to come out. And uh, it's been a blast. We've had a blast. Our games are going to start in a couple weeks. And uh, I'm going to try to get some Ho Show people out there supporting us. Very cool. We yeah. can make shirts. You know I have a cricket now, so I can like make all kinds of stuff. Nice. Well, we'll do that for the, for the Beavers. Go Beavers. Go. Uh, Michelle, we had a big week. We have a great show. Let me tell you about the show today. Joe Rosen's coming on. Joey is an old friend of mine. He was one of our original investors in Little Red Feather. He was a part owner of Singletary. Uh, he owns, I don't even know how many horses now. Thanks he owns how many now, Billy, for taking away Joe's entire like opening five minutes of his interview. <laughs> Why? He's like, what? He, He's gonna, we're going to find out about Joe. He's awesome. He, I think he is uh, the guy that's owned the most Little Red Feather horses, right? No question. No question. But he, Joe's great, and he was also in the NHC, and we're going to talk all about that, his strategies and, and he everything. He was the leading rookie. Yeah. Rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. Yeah. Rookie of the year. Uh, we also had some big doings, uh, some derby doings uh, over the weekend. Tell us a little bit kind about of, that, Michelle. Kind of. Okay. Right? Well, well, yeah. Go. Okay. So we had the San Vicente, which I feel like is... Uh, a quasi path of the Kentucky Derby because it's only seven furlongs, right? Right. And we did have a pair of Bob Bafferts in there, and then we had the 
Jeff Bondi horse, Sparkyville. Sparky so Ville. it was like, can Coliseum come back out of what he did last time? Could Desmond step up into winners for the first time? Or could Sparkyville win a graded stake? And Sparkyville just trounced these horses. He got his head down on the wire just in time to win. But in the post-race interview with Jeff Bondi, and I asked him, like, this horse has done the best running sprinting. Is he a derby candidate? And he was pretty much like, nope. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, at least he was honest. Long miler type, and the owners have another horse that's a derby horse. Right. They have that king of king of speed, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Which Who's won, a turf horse. won stakes on the turf, yeah. Correct. Correct. Well, you know. Congratulations to everybody involved. Yeah, it's funny. I've I've said this on the air. I feel that Coliseum has always been a little overhyped and underdelivered. How do you feel yeah. about that? Um, I think that he's just your typical spoiled ass tappet and really needs a gelding and to be left alone. Okay. I think that's fair. I think Ryan has mentioned before to watch him in the mornings that you know, the he used to just run off every day. And it worked out for him. And I think that holding him back and trying to, like, make him be under control has worked against him. And I felt that was similar to, like, when, you know, I worked for Steve Asmussen for a while. And I love the barn. But I think when they got Rachel, they put her into their program instead of just letting Rachel be Rachel. And when she was with uh, Hal, you know, he let her run off or do whatever she wanted, kind of. Right. And it was I felt the same situation with Rachel. It's like they like squeezed her into their program and I don't think she necessarily flourished. It's like the opposite of Marley's freedom. And that's an interesting point is that uh, trainers oftentimes do try to put their horses in the program, but every horse is different, just like every person's different. Just like right. you know, we were talking about coaching Little League, you know, every kid is different, right? Especially nowadays. Um, and you have to treat them differently. So coach your kids, Billy? Did I? Yes, of course. So do you feel like kids nowadays are different or being raised differently than kids when you had your boys in Little League? You know, I I would have before I started doing this. And uh-huh. I can tell you that the kids we have on this particular team are, are all amazing. I mean, they, they come up to me after practice and say, thank you very much, coach. They're, they're so, they're, oh, they're, that's great. no, they're really, really good kids. And they, they, they. I, they practice hard. I'm I'm actually blown away. I I kind of had it in my mind there was going to be a lot of entitlement yeah. um, for this. Um, I don't even know. Are they called millennials? I don't I don't yes. know what. The, yeah. Well, well I have not Gen seen Xers. it. So Gen X. well, we'll see what happens when we uh, when we get it. But look, we had a big race down at uh, Sam Davis. The Sam and Davis. The, uh, Sam F. Davis Stakes at Tampa, and Well Defined won that. And owned by Stonehenge LLC. How about that name? Trained by Kathleen wow. O'Connell, and the jockey was Pablo Morales. Well defined. He was he was okay. Yeah, that's a very quirky track, so it's always interesting to see what horses show up for that, and then if they can go on to do anything else. Big disappointment there was Nick's Go, who was uh, ran is such a big Nick's race. Go or is it K Nick's Go? I think it's just Nick's Go. Did you read the article about the name? No. Obviously so, not. Allegedly now. Allegedly. Uh, <laughs> that the horse is not Nick's Go, named after the crappiest basketball team ever, but it's actually named after K Nick's Go, which is like a true Nick for Korean horses. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, but, this is what you get in the horse ownership experience. You get facts like that, factoids. Well, I don't know if it's a fact. It's a tidbit, right? Because I don't know if it's, it's a, a fact tidbit. or not. We haven't, it wasn't. It's, it could be no called, you know, confirm. I listen to these podcasts on, uh, on The Ringer, and they always call it half assed internet research. There you go. There you go. So <laughs> credit credit to the ringer. Um, um, we also had at home Bella Fina win the Las Virginis. 
I was expect, and now she's owned by Kaleem Shaw, obviously, and trained by Simon Callahan. I, 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 I thought she was going to be a little bit more. It wasn't visually as impressive as her last race. Michelle, would you agree? I would agree. And I, you know, going the day before she had schooled and she was swishing her tail so hard. And I don't have note of her ever being a tail swisher. And she didn't do it on that day. So I never mentioned it on air or anything. But I was just wondering if maybe she's starting to cycle again. That's an interesting point, Michelle. And that's what I was thinking when you said the tail swishing. And a lot of people don't know that. Can you give can you give people a little idea of what these horses go through these obviously these fillies and mares sure i mean it's uh you know when when horses come into heat obviously every horse's heat cycle can be a little bit different but some of them can be like a major chick having pms right like uh they can be grouchy like my mare personally if she is in heat, you can't touch her back. You can't touch her butt. You come near her. She kicks at you. She puts her ears back. You can't ride her. She'll try to buck you off. Wow. And the rest of the time, she's fine. But it makes such a difference. She has such like sore ovaries when she is in heat that she doesn't want to do anything. I am um, I am not going to comment on this for fear of hashtag me too. I know. That's that's why I'm doing it. Uh, yes, right? <laughs> exactly. I'm not so going to say a word about this. I will very, tell you. It's a very, very crampy situation. It can be very painful. And then some horses, you could never even tell. Right. I will tell you one thing. You know, uh, my old trainer, Mike Pipey, who I love, love Pipey, uh, he would tell. He told me stories that he used to uh, milk his, his, his mares sometimes when they were in heat, like before a race. <laughs> really? Have you ever heard? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Which I thought was interesting. I didn't know that mares produce milk when they're not in full. Yeah, he used to milk them. Now I can. Are you? I'm serious. I'm dead okay. serious. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> um, what else happened so, this anyways, weekend, Michelle? But but I only mentioned that because you go back to Breeders' Cup and they said she flopped because she was in heat at the time. Yeah, good. So good. I don't know if I think you're. I think you might be right, and or maybe just she can't get that distance. Michelle, is that a possibility? Well, she's gotten the distance before because she did win the chandelier at the mile and sixteenth. So you know, against lesser though, against, against lesser. Well, uh, you know that's yeah. that's to be determined. Okay. I, you know, and yeah, there's there there is something to be said too about very precocious horses, which she was right. And we saw this with Simon with a couple other fillies too. He had moonshine memories. He had fashion plate. Both very precocious. And then as everyone caught up to her, she just wasn't as good as they right. were. And you she's know, still a so big, beautiful filly. Let's not is. let's she not actually, kid last ourselves. Year I thought she was ugly because she was. So, she reminded me of Bellasaurus Rex over there. Right? <laughs> she was just big and gangly, and you could see like where she would grow up to be nice. But she was just so raw boned. Uh, and this year, she looks tremendous from a physical standpoint. But you know, she still does have some some growing room. And I'm not sure she necessarily loved the track either, because at that time, it ended up being just a little bit sticky. And it did play to closers, I felt like more okay. than speed horses. And you know, Anaya Alrab, even though she's on the upswing, she was a closer to the speed horse. So we'll have to kind of play, wait and see for the Oaks and see if we can get a fair track that day. Absolutely. Interesting. Good. Um, what also, else we got? two really good turf races. True Valor won the Thunder Road. Again and for Simon Callahan. Warrior won the San Marcos. Yeah, it's Putnam Warrior. Big big price, I believe. He was about that 15 was to 1. That was my I liked him. I played him in my late pick four. Good but for I didn't you. Have the... Tell me the story of the jockey. Um, Was that... That was a... Uh... Foley, Andrea, right? Shane Foley. Uh, yeah. So Andrea and no, Nini. no, Shane Foley oh, no, won. Platinum Warrior. Yes. Sorry, sorry, I'm stupid. See, I yes, I you're not stupid. Uh, Shane Foley is over here. He's come over and actually ridden this horse before, 
and it did not pan out this way by any means. But back over here to ride again for Sadler and um, even considering actually maybe coming out next year for like the entire little winter. A lot of, you know, riders that we've seen have come over and spent winter here with us from Europe because they don't race like we do, right? Yeah. So they've utilized it to be able to keep in shape and to learn a little something new. And we've even had people stay. Look, Flavian came over, went back and came back over and stayed, right? So we had a couple of riders do similar similar things to that. And so this intrigued him to where he might want to come back next year. But he definitely has that Euro style to him. Like when you see him, he's all Euro. Yeah, he was. He was. But congratulations to uh, and- <laughs> to the connections and to Mr. Sadler. Uh, great, great weekend of racing uh, here at Santa Anita and across the country. And we have Joe Rosen coming up in about three minutes, Michelle. Anything else you want to discuss before we get to Joe? And then Thank we'll come you. back and talk to um, – we'll talk about next week. So Brett Calhoun, I, who I love, we've had his owners on our show, um, hit his 3,000 win milestone over the weekend. I like Brett Calhoun. I love Brett Calhoun, so big congratulations. We've had Carl Moore, his his big client, uh, on our show, and I'm sure several of those wins came under his colors. So great job Good. for Brett and his team. And also, Billy, because we just talk about um, you know how tracks can get horses in right because mm-hmm. obviously we need horses to have races to have bets on races so, sure uh canterbury un- uh unveiled their plan to try and bring more horses in so the first thing they did was they renovated their main track completely after last meet and their new condition book from may through june is already available okay so may that's through huge. june that's that's wild right yeah um so what they're offering is a 250 dollar bonus or minimum per start for a horse if you're um going in a race out of the book or one percent of the purse whatever's higher okay wow so our i don't know do we have a guaranteed amount per start or is it just the yeah. 315 dollars no i think that's what it is bucks? yeah i yeah. think that's what it is so there's obviously lower but we're talking minnesota to california right obviously um but they're also offering an additional 250 dollars for book one so if you have a horse that starts in book one, you get $500 minimum per start guaranteed. Good for them. Hey, people are trying, you know. And they're also, they understand that, you know, Canterbury is a little bit far away and everything. So they're offering a shipping loan up to $25,000 per owner to, uh, they'll like pretty much prepay your shipping and then you have to work out like how to pay it back or out of purse money or whatnot, but. They're trying I like, to make I like new that ideas, Michelle. situation more feasible for people. Right. I like new ideas. I, I think it's good, and, and we'll see how it works, and hopefully other people will continue to bring new ideas, and that's one of the reasons we have this show. Mm-hmm. You know? Hello? I, hey, Joe Rosen. Is that you? Hi, Joe. Yes, sir. Joe, Hi. welcome to the Horse Ownership Experience. Uh, we so appreciate you coming on today, and t- I know you're a very busy man. We have... Uh, we have primed you for our audience. We're going to talk about a lot of things, including all of your, your horse ownership, and then especially the NHC that you were Rookie of the Year this year, and we want to talk to you all about the tournament. But before we do that, tell us a little bit you know, about how you get started. Obviously, you and I grew up together, um, but you tell the story. Tell the story about how you first got involved. I think people would like to hear about one of your very first horses. Well, uh, got involved in early 2000s when... Uh Billy, you put a group together for uh, a little three-horse uh, purchase for about $120,000, I believe. 
And there were about oh, 13 different owners, and one of those horses turned out to be Singletary. He was pretty good. Which, Wait, uh, so, Joe, yeah, so did, just, Billy, did you never want to own a horse before Billy, like, harassed you into the partnership <laughs> thing? Harassed. He, he, did not har- he did not harass me. I actually begged. Um, <laughs> I, had actually, I had actually just moved from Los Angeles to Las Vegas uh, right around that time, and... Uh, Figured it was a good way to stay in touch with with a couple of people because I knew a couple of the owners and uh, I wouldn't be forgotten since I was no longer in Los Angeles to uh, while I was in Las Vegas. So it worked out pretty well on all accounts. And so, of course, your, one of your first horses was Singletary. So that had to mean that the bug that bit you was highly infectious. Well, it sort of uh, made it difficult the rest of the way through because uh, obviously we won the Breeders' Cup with them and. Uh, after you win one Breeders' Cup, you think it's easy to win the next one and the next one and the next one, and obviously it's not so easy. But uh, can't complain. I've had great, uh, great experiences with several horses, and uh, although they don't all turn out to be uh, stakes winners, it's they're they're each uh, e- each individual uh, horse is, has its uh, you know positives and negatives at times. Uh, we've had tough luck with some where we had. Uh, one one parish in the fire last uh, year and a half ago, and we've had others, uh, you know, uh, get hurt in training. But uh, when they make it to the track, when they actually uh, run a race, there's nothing better than to be their life, no matter how big a race it is. Joe, do you have a favorite horse that you've been a partner in? I well, I'm right on the spot. Singletary, Singletary would definitely be the the favorite of all time. I I would also, you know. We, I, I believe it's Turing Dancer that uh, has had yeah. a long history at this point. It kind of <laughs> has a place in my heart with the the fact that she, when she got over here, uh, she was in a purgatory quarantine. Qu- yes, qu- quarantine for a long, long time. I remember uh, speaking with Billy and Gary about that and uh, how not to give up. And uh, obviously, after then, she uh, made it through the fire, which uh, you know, she's. She's had. Uh, she might as well be a cat for as many lives as she's uh, had at this point. But uh, I, I think uh, out of all, all the other horses, maybe Touring Dancer at this point. Joe, you have primarily owned horses in partnerships, whether it's Little Red Feather, Eclipse. I think you may have even been in some other partnerships. Tell our, what is the attraction of the partnership to you? Well, for me, I'm busy with uh, regular life and regular job. Um, I don't have, I wouldn't have time to manage a horse, talk to the trainers every day, deal with, uh, deal with all the ins and outs of, uh, um, you know, running a farm, so running your own stable, so to speak. Um, I also am in this for the entertainment, not, um, you know, if I make money, fantastic. I've always looked at it as entertainment, entertainment money of mine. Uh, so I'd rather own two to five percent of many horses than forty, fifty, sixty, or a hundred percent of just a few. Uh, so spreading the money around gives me an opportunity to have you know upwards of four, five, sometimes six horses going on the same day. Right, go to the, you know go out, be able to go to the track and just enjoy myself and not feel you know any stress as to what goes on other than just rooting interest. That's a great so point. How did you parlay owning horses then into being the NHC Rookie of the Year last year? Well, again, that's all Little Red Feather's fault. Um, <laughs> Gary Fenton, Gary Fenton uh, ended up uh, 
joining the NHC in uh, 2017 and competed in the uh, 2018 tournament. And Little Red Feather, trying to get more people involved with uh, the NTRA, decided to um, allow for any anybody who joined the uh, NHC last year, if uh, you were the Little Red Feather owner, who, who, part of a partnership that ended up with the most points, uh, going into and, and qualified for the tournament that year, you you would have a million dollar bonus if you ended up winning the tournament. So I joined and didn't give it much thought until I would say the I think it was actually Belmont Day when it was absolutely pouring here in Los Angeles, and I ended up uh, entering two tournaments. One was in an NHC point tournament, and one was a money tournament. And I was in first place going into the last two races in both tournaments and uh, ended up winning the money one, which was very nice. And then and finished 20th, I think, in the, in the points tournament. And when I went back to look at the website a couple of days later, I saw that one of my best friends was actually uh, also, also a rookie in the NHC and was leading the rookie leaderboard. And from there on out, it just became a... a a major competition between myself and Eric Adler. So you really couldn't care less about everyone else. You really just wanted to beat your buddy. <laughs> That's really what it came down to. We nice. had our own little side bet. He now owes me a trophy. I'm not oh, sure if nice. I'm going to want to. I don't know if I'm going to actually want to see what the trophy looks like or if I could actually put it out in my house because it <laughs> might not be appropriate for others to see. But um, we, we, yeah, we had a great time competing against each other and others and he qualified twice for the tournament i qualified twice for the tournament this last weekend and we both ran off to vegas uh he he ran off to vegas um with a little more pressure on him considering his wife was uh is well was due to have their first child uh this week and i think she went into labor last night so oh. he got home just in time congratulations to eric and and his wife yeah. and joe Wait, but that you think and, that's more pressure than a million dollar bonus uh well i <laughs> billy you ask your wife you know go back all those years my, yeah. my wife would take the I million don't know. my wife would say uh forget about it take the million but joe talk about before you before you go to the NHC, Michelle, before we talk about the NHC, because I want to know what that experience was like, talk a little bit about your handicapping strategy. I believe, you know, we, we, we call it the computer. I know you use that. What else do you look for for our people out there who are gambling and handicapping? What, what's your strategy going into these tournaments? Well, I am a big believer in statistics. I'm a big believer in um, running, through, running predictions through a computer. Uh, where you can manipulate, uh, you know, whether it's class or speed, um, jockeys, whether it's the third time off a layoff for the horse, you can use what I use, which is uh, stats to um, the, the computer service. That is, it's called stats. To manipulate stats race. Stats race. Is it race lens? Stats race lens. Okay. Just to give a real quick uh, tidbit about stats, so. Right now, what we use to look at horses is generally past performances, which is just a stagnant PDF. Stats Race Lens takes into account all of those, and you're allowed to manipulate the data and give them things that you look for, and it picks it out for you. Oh, nice. It'll, it'll, and it, what, what it does is it more or less predicts a race. So if uh, um, they'll run the, run the race, races, and you know, the computer will run whatever, it's simulations as many times as it does, and it will more or less take all the, all the odds and say, okay, 
your horse that the horse that we like is should be going off at uh, seven to two, but the live odds are eight to one, and therefore it's it would tell you that there's a good it's a good value to go bet that horse, and it's a it's a definitely a great device to uh, make handicapping a little easier for the novice and a, a lot easier for the. Uh, for the experience in some ways. So there are times where the the race lens may say this horse has a 60% chance of winning, but you look up at the tote board and that horse is four to five. So you're not going to play that horse. But the second horse might have a 20% chance and that horse is eight or 10 to one. And that's the horse you play. Is that kind of your strategy? That would, well, the, the, the odds would tell you, yes, you're getting a good overlay on that horse and it would be worthwhile to play it. Yes. Okay. Interesting. I got to learn so- more about this. Joe, we um, talking about the tournament. So the NHC, the year-end tournament is two-dollar win-place wagers with you know a set number of mandatories a day, and then a set number of extra races a day. Is that your favorite type of tournament play? Because we have so many types that you can utilize if you if you're into the tournament playing. Uh, it is not my favorite type at all. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that as to mandatories and uh, so many different races to choose from because you had, I believe there were eight tracks to, to work with uh, over the each on each day. And they would give us, uh, I believe it was eight mandatory races from different tracks. And then you, you had to choose 10 races from those same tracks to uh, use as your free choice races. And when you have to sit down and try to handicap out what amounted to, you know, 65, 70 races a day, it's almost impossible. Uh, There's just so much to look at, and there's just is not enough time. Uh, There's enough time maybe for the first day because you have, you know exactly what the mandatories are, and you know what racetracks you're looking at. But by the time you're done with that and you go through your first day of competition, you're, you have no idea where you're going to be on the board, so it's hard to handicap for the second day, knowing, not knowing what you're actually going to be looking for or how the tracks are running on those days. Right. So right. It, it's very difficult. My, I personally like the pick and praise, which is where you, they might have 12 races in a competition, and you have to choose your horse for all 12 races before the first race even starts. Once you uh, once you put those picks in and the first race goes, your picks are locked and you can't change anything. Um, I think I like that format the best because I tend to play horses that are you know maybe three to one to six to one on in general. And if those horses come in and I'm doing well, uh, I might have a nice lead. But in a live competition, you'll have exactly what happened to me at the NHC: people playing. 20 to one shots because they have no chance to win otherwise. And if that long shot comes in on the last race, you you know, they, they pass you and, and you don't end up winning the competition. And I personally don't believe that many of those players, when you have 200 in a competition, in a live competition and 50 are on the same 20 to one horse, because they're so far behind, most of those handicappers probably wouldn't be playing that 20 to one horse, except for the fact that they're so far behind. Sure. If they were to have looked at the, the race, you know, five hours before, and we're told that they, you know, just had to choose a horse to win. It would not be the twenty to one shot. It makes a lot of sense. And Joe, Joe, talk about a little bit about your experience because on day one, I believe at one point I looked and you were sitting in seventh place. 
Um, and, and so that was obviously very exciting after day one, especially with the million dollar bonus. And then, you know, I said, th- where did you end up? I ended up 56. I qualified for the last day. Um, Oh, so you were at the uh, final table? Yeah, he, not at the final no, table, the but final the last table. day. They, they, the last day, they start with uh, 10 extra races where the top 67 this year competes. So and then percent or something, isn't it? Or that's correct. Okay. That's correct. And then the top 10, the top 10 after those morning, morning races make the final table. Got it. Uh, first day, I, I was as high as second place at one point. I finished, finished in six that day. Um, it was a whirlwind. I, I got lucky. The first mandatory race, I liked, I believe it was the second choice at the time. It's like four to one. And the horse, uh, the jockey jumped off the horse as he was uh, getting into the gate. And they ended up, uh, as soon as that happened, I ran up to the window, and they, the horse was uh, a vet scratch right at that point. And the horse that I liked second happened to be a 15 to one long shot. And uh, so I switched to that horse and ended up uh, getting lucky. That's that horse amazing. won the race. And uh, all of a sudden, I was all over uh, the NTRA website because <laughs> they, had, they were filming me yelling and screaming. And Billy knows that. Uh, yeah, Joe, Joe is not quiet. Yeah. Oh Joe is not quiet. If He's I, just like us. I'm not quiet. I am not hey, quiet Joe, at all. I, I, I can be heard anywhere in Santa Anita at any point. Joe, so. when, you, when you went to bed on on fr- i guess after the first day was friday and you're in seventh place sixth place uh, forgive me uh does your strategy change going into saturday well i thought it did um i think i played too tight on saturday i played too many favorites as i said i had two entries um so did you, my did you my top entry. entries where you played like one way with one entry and another way with another entry Yes, because you, um, the my second entry only had about 50 points after the first day. So I needed more points on that entry to be, try to get them both into the top 10%, so to speak. And I thought I was in good shape with the first one, and I don't mind playing favorites. Unfortunately, uh, I went 0 for 10 on my extra races that second day. I uh, got nosed out many a time as to my horses or uh, you know, jockeys just not having a, a good run at it. And I ended up playing too tight on, on the, uh, the, the entry that I was doing well on, on the first day, while the second entry, I made 110 points, I think on that day. Wow. And if I had just played one or two of those extra horses, extra races differently, flip the, flip them on the entries, I probably would have been in much better shape going into the third day. Right. So if you go again next year, you know that even if you finish well on the first day, you you, you got to still go for it. Especially with do you, did it affect you that you were going for the million dollars, or did you at some point say, "Well, I'm I, I'm probably not going to win the million dollars. I just want to finish with a good, uh, you know, with a, in a good placing." Well, it definitely affected me on the final day because um, knowing knowing what the prize structure was, there there was probably a ten thousand dollar difference in prize money between the the spot I finished in and maybe finishing like thirty thirtieth or twenty fifth. Um, so if I just played if I played uh, the lower odds horses and only moved you know where it didn't give me a chance to get into the top ten, I was really only playing for an extra ten thousand dollars. Sure. 
knowing knowing that I was really playing well if I finished in first I would would have been playing for 1.8 million uh, the difference being you know the, the difference is so much it's, you you can't help but try to go for the to, to get into that final table right and I had I had my chances I had a couple of horses that with major odds that ended up uh, that I played that ended up finishing third and you get no points for that and I had one that was necked out at the at the wire that uh, I only got place money for. Right. Um, but so, yeah, I definitely was playing for. The, I was playing for the final table. I wasn't Joe, playing. I wasn't playing yeah. to finish twentieth. Of course. And Joe, what so was now, what was the play again? Like going and seeing how it was and knowing it's not your ideal format. Do you still want to go? Like, do you want to qualify well, and try next year? Oh yes, definitely. I, I, you sit down at a table with uh, pro- probably there's probably six other entrants. Well, that's what the, I was going to uh, say. What what is it like there, Joe? What what what? How is it set up? How are the people? Is everyone just burying their head and studying, or some people drinking beers? What's what's happening there? Stinky. Everybody everybody's burying their head and studying as to what's going on. There's uh, you're in a ballroom at the uh, at Treasure Island, and uh, they actually have two ballrooms being used now because they have so many contestants. And you're allowed to bring a guest if you want to sit with you, and uh, some do, some don't. Did you bring a guest? So you're sitting at a. I did not bring a guest, uh, but um, uh, I had. I was sitting there with uh, Eric Adler and his brother. So his brother. So it was. It was fine. I knew lots of people there anyway. Are you assigned you your seat, down. Joe? Are you assigned your seat? No. Oh no, you can sit not whatever you want. You get to choose your seat. Okay. You get to choose your seat at a table that sit, sits ten. Okay. So you're you're playing with you're sitting at a table with five six other horse players, and you get to meet them and you hear stories from across the country because the the couple of guys I sat with were from back east and play you know were over at uh, Woodbine often or they'd be at Aqueduct or so, uh, tracks from back east all the time and uh, so it's it's nice you meet a lot of people uh, uh, you know it's very uh, Male oriented, unfortunately, it's a, I think they need to put some. <laughs> unfortunately, uh, well, I say that just because <laughs> it, you know horse racing in itself is is a, it's a great sport. You know, it's a great great place to go, and uh, I, I there, you, you see a lot of women at the racetrack. They're just not out. The, they're just not entering these competitions. And trust me, I know a lot of great women handicappers who just haven't tried the NHC, and I think they would have a great time. So I, I mean, I would suggest to them that they should probably have women women only tournaments and bring more women and get That's more women idea. involved. That's a great idea. What Joe? Joe, we're obviously we're marketing the smart sport a lot through handicappers, but handicapping and ownership is very different. We're talking handicapping now. We're talking women's now. What what else can we do as a sport to to bring in more women, more youth? What what is the marketing angle? Your marketing guy. Well, I, I it it's all about marketing the fun i mean the idea of going to the racetrack seeing your horse run going down to the paddock getting and once once you've had a winner once you've actually been to the winner circle and taken a picture you you, you'll never go away from you'll never leave the sport i've had friends just go to the racetrack uh on a given day down to del mar and i've gotten them tickets even when i'm not there and I've had a horse win. I tell him, I tell him, go to the winner's circle, take the picture for me. And they tell me it's like one of their top experiences. It's so exciting just to be down there after the race. And it's once you've experienced it, you want to do it again and again and again. Um, 
unfortunately, yeah, the some of the it, it, the thirty minutes between races, I, I, it's definitely necessary, but it definitely makes it slow. Uh, so people, you know, some people might get bored with that uh, to, because sure. racing becomes an all day experience. It's six, you know, it's five six hours at the racetrack for a full day at, uh, at some of these places. Um, and that's a lot of time. I mean, we sit here and complain about baseball being too, you know, a baseball game being too long at four hours or football being drawn out. And we're, we're sitting here t- telling people, okay, we need a half an hour between races to get everything ready for horses to run a minute and 30 seconds. And that, that becomes a tough, tough sell for some people. Um, especially in today's society. I, I th- Exactly. I mean, what Del Mar does in the in the summertime, doing concerts after the races on Friday nights. Uh, what Hollywood Park used to do with dollar beer, dollar hot dog nights on Friday nights. That that drove people to the racetrack. It became a more social event. It's to get it, once people get there, the the sport sells itself. But you got to get people in the door, and so they've got to figure out a way. Tracks have got to figure out a way to get people into the door, and where it becomes a place where the younger crowd wants to go. Maybe, maybe for maybe you got to start a nightclub, or you know, have a nightclub in some of these places, and where it becomes a where it comes a place where people want to go for the evening. Sure, I don't know. It's a tough situation because you've got to deal with state laws and and everything else because you're you're a gambling site, but you also need to you want it to make it a more entertaining side at the same time where people feel like they're getting extra value to it all that's all great points we're talking to joe rosen owner horse player also commissioner of the little red feather fantasy league uh michelle was amazing this year wasn't she joe she was very good yes yes she was very good i actually I i was a smidgen of a point off my first playoff game that could have been a yeah. A big old windfall for me. <laughs> we'll have to do that again next year. Michelle, you wanna you wanna wrap this up with Joe? Uh I I thought that, that honestly that was the his last just statement there about bringing how we can bring people in and whatnot I thought was just a great way to end it, honestly. I agree. I agree. Joe, we really appreciate it. We're gonna be looking for you in the NHC. We'll look for you screaming at at Santa Anita and, and we appreciate all you do for the game and, and uh we, we really appreciate you taking the time today to come talk to us and talk to our audience here in the horse ownership experience. My pleasure, and uh, Billy, I can't thank you enough for getting me involved in the first place. Oh, Joey, you, oh, you know we love you, brother. Sweet. We know you. We know we love you. So take it easy. Have a great time. Well, hopefully we'll see you this weekend out at Santa Anita. Thanks, Joe. See you all soon. Okay. Bye. That's Joe Rosen, a an owner, a, a horse racing uh, tournament player. These tournaments are getting very big, Michelle. The NHC yes. is big. I mean, I think there was almost 700 people, right, who qualified. And, and you know, I think it's a limited investment. I think it's $50 to join it's $50 the tour. To, um, yeah. And and then I believe that each tournament might cost, you know, $10 or they have free tournaments. And then you qualify for a bigger tournament and some are a little bit more right. expensive they have than others. And, and, right. 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 And Little Red now, Feather, what we did. Play, if you want to play like a big tournament, you know, they have like next weekend at Santa Anita, we have a $500 um, tournament and 300 of that is your live money bankroll. So 300 of it, you'll invest in your wagers and then you get to keep whatever you win. 200 of it goes to the prizes and 100% of that money is paid out in prizes. So it's cash prizes. It's also two trips to NHC and a trip to the Ultimate Betting Challenge. So, and that includes 
both of those include travel and hotel stay while you're there. So, you know, there there is a mediocre way to get in, or not mediocre, but like a, a medium level way in as well. I right. mean, when you play the BCBC, you're talking a $10,000 investment. Um, but you can play on horse tourneys, you can play an express bet, you can go to Santa Anita. There's so many different ways to play. Right. And it's a, it's for people who are listening to this show and they want to learn about horse ownership and what Michelle and I talked about this year was trying to get more people into the game. Last week, if you were listening, we talked about artificial insemination and thoroughbreds. We're working on that. We're going to work on a whole bunch of different things this year to just kind of spew knowledge, new knowledge, new information out there. And I think Joe brought a lot to the table with both his ownership and uh, his handicapping. I, race lens is pretty cool. We need to, maybe we should have someone yeah. on from Stats Race Lens. Is it, yeah, sure. It's the same thing, Stats and Race Lens, right? Am yeah, I wrong? But it's called, they call themselves Stats. They call themselves Stats. Okay, yeah. well, well, we'll have someone on. Michelle, what is, uh, what's happening this week uh, here at Santa Anita? Uh, well, we have the Santa Monica and the Wishing Well for Stakes races. Oh, can we I talk about the Santa Monica really quick? Sure. Because that's a good race. You know who's going in there, right? No, who? Tell me. Paradise Woods, Marley's Freedom. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, um, She's what's been the, schooling, by the what's way. What's the Philly of Saddlers? Uh, uh, the fast one that got beat the other day? Selcourt? Selcourt? Oh, I was thinking of Kalukan Queen. No, Kalukan Queen? No, Selcourt? Didn't she win the Kalukan Queen? Didn't she have, does she have another Philly? Or is know. it just sell court? I can't. I keep. I can't just keep I saying can't. sell court over keep. and over again. But it's going to be a good race. Is what I was going <laughs> to say. What about sell court, Billy? <laughs> it's sell court. <laughs> I like her name. Well, also our, our friends at TaylorMade got involved um, with her. I think last year before she was off for some time. Uh, but also, uh, you know, uh, Paradise Woods is a Grade One winner. You know that, and she's moved barns. She's gone from Mandela to John Sheriff's, which I find interesting. And Rosario's taking her. You know uh, and last year she was really, I don't want to say skinny because like, you know, Mandela does a good job, but she just didn't look great. And she looks like a machine here for John. Uh, well, she fires big off days. layoffs. I know that. Well, she's been really, you know, on tilt and he's been schooling her with a rider. So he brings her over with like an overgirth and puts a saddle, has a saddle on and then puts a rider up and then walks her around and out with a, with a rider on. He has done this before with numerous uh, hard to handle horses. So I think it works out for him. But she looks on tilt, but in a good way. Well, also in the field is Dream Tree. Who's uh, uh, well, her last, race, her was last race was not good, but she was undefeated before that. Escape right. clause, who is basically dances every dance, dirt, turf, long, short, uh, as well as uh, amuse and mopatism. That's the lineup for the Santa Monica, Grade Two Santa Monica, which should be Here. a really good race. I like that race. Sorry, yeah. I just like races like that where there's a bunch of really good horses. Anyway, go on. Um, also it is the Valentine's Day Turf Terrace special. Oh, I forgot it's Valentine's Day. Thursday. What are you going to yeah, do for Valentine's today. Day? What are you doing for Valentine's Day? Uh, we don't do Valentine's Day. It's cheesy. What? Really? You're not, yeah. so you're not going to get Ryan a car? For those of you who haven't listened to our actually, show, I'm Michelle is married to, to Ryan Hansen, who's a very good trainer on the Southern California circuit. If you're looking for a young trainer that, uh, uh, is on the rise. Ryan Hansen's the way to go. But what is uh? So he, you'll get him a card. You won't like make him uh, dinner. I make him a card. I make him. You a card make him year. a card. Well, we do have dinner. I mean, but like we just I, we don't believe in like going out to 
uh, eat a prefix meal for like a really expensive price that probably sucks when I can make it better at home. Okay. And it's stupid to have to like, I don't like flowers. So like, I don't want to bring me home flowers. So, so he knows I that. Like, so we'll, oh, what yeah, will yeah. he most likely do for you? Nothing. Nothing. No, Valentine's Just profess silly. his love. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe, well, you know what? One year he did get me an iPad. Well, that's nice. I know that was nice, but then like the ne- like no cards or anything. Just and an iPad, like just in just the box. IPad. Yeah. Or was that, it already that, opened? That wasn't even wrapped. Was like here's your, here, I got it. He was so excited. I love it. I still have it. That's um, awesome. But yeah, I'm just I'm just not like that girly girl that like is like oh hearts and flowers. Wait, wait, you're not a girly girl. Yeah, shocker, right? I can't believe that. This whole time you had me fooled. All right, what what else is going on at San Diego? Uh, the Lunar New Year Festival. What is that? Um. It is like celebrating Chinese New Year, oh. but it's the first year we've done it. So I, I, I honestly don't know what to expect from it. I don't know what it's going to entail or what it's going to be like. There's so many things we've had at Santa Anita that have been, you know, annual events and I know about them. I do not know about this one. So I'm I'm excited to see what it's going to be because obviously I'm Chinese and I love Chinese New Year and it is rain or shine. So keep that in, in mind. That's and right. It's also, supposed to rain. It's, well, it's Tired down to rain. like a 60% chance now. Okay. And then also, like I mentioned, on the 23rd of February, there is that $500 handicapping contest as we get back on the road to NHC. So if you are interested, you thought it sounded intriguing, you can go on to sananita.com, and that's on the calendar. You can click on it. You can also contact Nate Newby at Santa Anita, or you can contact Tom Quigley, and they will have all the information that you need if you think you want to play. Let's get some people out there. And you don't have to be at Santa Anita, by the way. You can play on ExpressBet as well. We talked uh, last week. We wanted to make sure that we brought up aftercare on each of our uh, broadcasts, Michelle, because it's very important to both you and me. Uh, I'm uh, on the board of Karma, which is the California uh, retirement account uh, for aftercare. Uh, I just read a cool article in the Blood Horse Daily. Do you remember the horse Inside Straight? Yes. He beat that he was, beat Midnight Storm in the Oakland did Handicap. Did they retire him? Yes, he all of a sudden he couldn't no, break from the all of a sudden. Well, he all of a sudden. he couldn't he break from the founder. starting gate. He doesn't break from the starting gate. Right. And then I'm telling they, the story. They gave him time off. Sorry, okay. Okay, what did they do, Michelle? Well, I know his owner, that's why. I know you do. But they I think it's him. cool what they did. They gave him time off, then they retired him, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden there's a picture of him jumping over cross rails. At what it's called Manor Farm, so he's retired. They retired him, and he is a, a a jumper. I think that's really cool. I think people. It's nice when people. What do we talk about? Take responsibility. Um, we're working on a new tagline. Tell me what you think about this. Did I tell you this last time? No. All right, you ready? Yeah. Buy, race, retire. Buy, race, retire. Aftercare is not an afterthought. Well, I like that. You like I that, like, right? I like that. Aftercare is not an afterthought. Right. And it, it, I'm going to stress it again. I'm going to try to stress it if we, on every show that when you get into thoroughbred ownership, you have a responsibility to take care of that horse for basically the rest of its life. Now, horses get claimed. Horses get sold. Obviously, there's sometimes it's out of our control, right? But be responsible, people. When you buy an animal, you know when you when you have your dog, Michelle. You don't just one day just give away your dog if he's not feeling good, right? Right. I mean, I right. don't know if that's the right analogy, but let's let's really try to stress the responsibility of aftercare this year. I let's. Think the hardest thing for aftercare is just 
what we talked about last week a little bit is where does your responsibility end? If you have a horse and, you know, I write on our horse's papers that we breed, if this horse ever needs a home, let me know. Sure. And then it gets claimed and it ends up across the world. Is it then our responsibility to bring it back or is it whoever's had it no, in like the interim five years? I think, I think that's the people, the part people struggle with. But I think that's a communication. And, and yes, you can keep track of the horse and find out where he is. Look, things are going to happen. There are going to be horses, going to be horses that slip through the track, uh, cracks. We know that. But all we can do is do the best job we can. And I think that's what right. we're asking. Um, right. Not anything more. But uh, make sure you give... When- when we had the two three thousand dollar claimers at Los Al, you know, obviously we're at the the bottom basement level for claiming horses. Sure. Anytime one would get claimed that I knew maybe wasn't the soundest horse or had a little mental issue, I would always like go give my number, like, look, if this horse needs to come back, you call me. We need more people like you in the game. We need more well, people I, like my husband hated that. <laughs> <laughs> we need more people I'm like not trying to feed a bunch of horses. Special guest Joe Rosen who joined us today. Thank you, Joey. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors, Taylor Made, Sanity to Delmar. Thank you to Michelle Yu, who takes a lot of time to prepare for the show and without her there would be no horse ownership experience so thank you michelle thanks to all our listeners over one million over one million downloads keep listening we came back for you if you have ideas please tweet us at own a horse uh at billy Koch 17 one of my bklrf i never even know what i i don't know what my handle is i'm not really good at that at the michelle you reach out to us we're doing the best we can we'll have some more interesting guests we'll be back next tuesday at noon you can download this at la talk radio or on itunes or at any of the podcast downloadable places i am so old school michelle it's scary it's really bad miss you i'll see you out at the races this week we'll see you out at santa anita bye You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu, right here on LA Talk Radio. Midnight Storm, a brilliantly fast grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Mike Smith just points him in the right direction. Midnight Storm dominating. Millionaire and seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Midnight Storm over accelerators, finding the line well, but not well enough. And Midnight Storm has taken it by two lengths. From America's hottest sire line. Midnight Storm, he wins it this year. Midnight Storm. Standing at TaylorMade Farm.